Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 441. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. All right. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Night's End, which is going to be dropping on Shutter this week. We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters. VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. We're recording this on Sunday, so we do not know the results of the Oscars, but they're happening. Correct. People are winning awards and some people are losing them. Yeah. Can you believe that such and such one I swear to god if don't look up if that wins anything I will be mortified yeah, yeah. I, I, the best part is I see it winning for editing because when it comes to the Oscars I think they just like movies where you're like wow this has been edited <laughs> you know like the worse it is, like the more that you can see it's been edited by someone. Right. Maybe yeah. not maybe not a human being, but just that it's been cut in some way. And like the more cuts that it has, I think that's when Oscar voters are like, oh yeah, they put in a lot of work. Give them the Oscar. Yeah. They did it. But it, it also points out uh, it reminds me of something, is that I started last night I started the uh, succession. Mm. Which I didn't realize was an Adam McKay thing it is yeah well sort of sort of yeah so i was a little leery going into it because it's just it it never grabbed me it never captivated me in any way through all the the clips and stuff that i've seen because everyone seems to be obsessed with it and then his name pops up in the opening credits and i was just like oh boy oh man and then like the artistic choice throughout the first episode is just uh, let's try a zoom, try another zoom, and then zoom in a little bit more, and then that's like every scene. It's just the camera zooming a little bit, like every three seconds, and it's annoying as hell. It's not the same as like a, a movie that's directed by him, though. Like, well, I think he directed the first episode. Yeah, I th- yeah, he might have done like the first one or something, but. I feel yeah, like the, so, the show has a very different aesthetic and vibe than his movies. That's what I'm really hoping for is that when it stops being him as the director, which I'm hoping happens, he can't direct all of them, right? No, he doesn't direct all of them. Good, because that would, I would be, oof. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into our review. We're talking about Night's End. This is directed by Jennifer Reeder. I have a synopsis here. An anxious shut-in moves into a haunted apartment, hiring a stranger to perform an exorcism, which quickly takes a horrific turn. I'll start things off with this one because I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, This definitely feels like a pandemic movie. It was uh, the the whole... Everybody's separated in this. So, like, you have the the main actor uh, played by... Yeah, Gino Walker, Ken Barber. So you have him in, in his apartment, his haunted apartment, and then you have everybody else separate. So all the interactions are done via video calls. 
Strangely, Michael Shannon is in this. I had no idea he was in this until he popped up in that first call. And I'm like, oh, that's what that's odd. That's, that's odd that Michael Shannon is in this. The woman that plays Kelsey, Kate Arrington. They're they're a couple. They have I wonder. Together. I wondered that. And I think, you know, they're both Chicago, and I think Jennifer Reeder is a Chicago mm. based. And I think she's worked with Kate Arrington before. I think she was in Knives and Skin. Got so it. I think this was a yeah. Because I thought the same thing too. I'm like Michael Shannon. I wonder. I, yeah, like the first as soon as he popped up and was in that first scene, I wondered if it was something like that. Like if that was really his. Which wife it kind of makes sense if if you're doing a you know a, a pandemic shutdown movie, like you know you can call up Michael Shannon and be like, hey, you're at home. Do you mind doing like thirty minute Zoom call? We can bang out a couple scenes. All you have to do is be a little bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't explicitly say that this is during the pandemic or anything like that. Like the pandemic doesn't actually play a direct part in this movie. It The whole thing is like this guy went through what seems like some kind of messy divorce. He is a recovering alcoholic and... He's got some kind of agoraphobia, it seems, because like there's scenes where like he doesn't even want to get close to his front door. So it seems like there's something like that going on. There was that movie, that uh, Soderbergh movie that that came out like just a few weeks ago that that dealt with, you know, the the same type of thing, although that was like that actually had the pandemic in it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like this movie at all. I didn't see the point of it. Like the whole, the whole thing felt pointless to me. I did just, the, I was just constantly questioning what I was watching and why I was watching it. Like, what is, what is going to be the end result of this? I found the haunting aspect of it to be very dull and sparse. I found the, the lore behind like the apartment to be, just super surface level and not very creative or interesting. I didn't like the zoom conversations. I didn't think that they worked in this at all. And the thing that made everything a million times worse was the constant glitching that they put in this Yeah, that bugged the shit out of me to no end because it was so egregious and they used it so much that it was incredibly grating and then at one point they introduce strobing into it so you have glitching and strobing happening all at once and 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 on top of that you have this like kind of droning like screeching uh score and this is a migraine movie this is this is a migraine inducer they should just call yeah. this movie the migraine inducer because it was just an onslaught to my to my senses, and uh, I, I did not enjoy that. So that's all I have to say about it, really. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add. Yeah, I'm, for the most part, I'm with you. This seems to be a, something that was born out of, you know, a set, you know, circumstances out of everyone's control, you know, with the, the pandemic and everything. So it seems like Shudder was like, oh, you know, we can't, movies aren't coming out. Maybe we can get somebody to do, you know, pandemic set movie and we can we can throw it up on shutter. And it seems like, you know, maybe if they just waited, we just waited out 
until movies got uh, back up and running. And then you could have done something actually worthwhile. So, like, in terms of, like, what it's born out of, the circumstances that it's born out of, it's fine. Like, it's not good. And I've, I'm much like you, where I was just kind of like, I don't really understand the point of this. It just, like, that's the feeling that I get, is that this is just a group of people trying to make something work, given the circumstances. And at the moment, and, like, if we were still stuck in like, uh, you know, pandemic shutdown type situation, I'd be like, oh, yeah, good job, everybody. But coming out, you know, years later after being lifted from that and everyone's kind of like back to normal, commuting to work <laughs> don't, don't want to be reminded. Just... <laughs> we don't want to remember back to when when we had to live inside those days. Yeah, it's just like, okay, like you could have just waited a little bit and just made it like an actual movie. I yeah, yeah I mean like it's just there, it, this is like a nothing burger of a of a movie to me. Like I just didn't there was nothing about it that that I really enjoyed or or really kind of gravitated towards. Like no, and yeah, there's a lot of filler of just like his anxiety, like mm-hmm. him doing his. Uh, I wish they would have standing upside down. Yeah, and in the counting. Yeah. counting and we the, did that the, like 15 times i think well yeah and then you have to show him mixing the pepto with the coffee and and as the film progresses and he gets more paranoid and stressed out the the ratio of pepto to coffee continues to change and eventually he's just chugging the pepto yeah i want to see There's- a scene in this movie where he gets his his order of like Pepto-Bismol and like tomato soup and shit and just is just him removing meticulously removing labels and then print and then printing labels on an old school like clicky label maker and just doing that because that must take him like hours to do. Very particular. Very particular. What's the point of that? Uh, that thing that flips you upside down. Is it like to like know. stretch your back or something? I, maybe the back, maybe it like that helps with your circulation. Maybe it gets some extra blood flow to your brain. I don't know. I mean, I've seen those a lot and I just never really knew the purpose. No, cause it's an instant headache. <laughs> yeah. That's all I think. Like it just gives you a headache. <laughs> much cool. like the, Why? much like the rest of this movie. It's all headache inducing. Like, that's, why would you want a headache right off the bat? That's that's why the 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 poster is like the the harsh like yellow back doorway with the the shadowy figure inside the guy's head because it's like, hey, it, it's warning you, it's foreshadowing of what this movie is going to do to you if you're susceptible to headaches. It's going to give now, you the one. the only thing that I kind of appreciated is that. It is a bit silly at times, and it seems like that's what it's going for. Yes. It is trying to be like a little bit. Can- I think if it would have leaned more into that. Yeah. I would have had a little bit more fun with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there there are some kind of silly moments and not just the Michael Shannon stuff, although that's that's he, he's good in this. But yeah, it's Michael Shannon. There's there's some other kind of uh, moments of, of kind of levity in here as well. 
And I think that, that that's something that, that Jennifer Reeder does a good job with. I mean, if I remember correctly, Knives and Skin had some of that as well. Although I would say that uh, for me, Knives and Skin was a much more polished experience. Yeah, well, and I think that I, because I was initially excited, I was like, oh, a new Jennifer Reeder film. Like, this is Michael Shannon's in it. All right. A horror movie. This should be interesting. But then when I saw that she didn't write it and that it was written by someone else, I was like, ah, this, this seems. And then, you know, pretty early on, you're like, okay, this was just maybe something to do during the pandemic. It seems Perhaps. like that. I don't yeah. Know. I think that like during the pandemic, a lot of filmmakers and, and just artists and, and, and creatives were like, Hey, you know, how can we use this to like kind of challenge our, our creativity and like help us push our craft and stuff like that. And the thing is like, there were quite a few pandemic movies that, that came out that managed to be a lot better than this, as far as like storytelling and everything, everything else, like, a host comes to mind, uh, you know, a, a horror movie that's shot during lockdown, everybody's separated. And, and yet that movie, it, it, very similar to this movie in a lot of ways, it's kind of a haunted house movie. It involves a ritual and some like, you know, demons coming around. And a lot of it is done through zoom but that that movie is, manages to be a lot more rewarding and entertaining and and just a lot deeper than than this movie which you know it's just not i just i just wasn't into any of it i thought like visually it was so it was very drab too like it was just constantly yeah i think constantly dark you know the apartment wasn't interesting I think that was the most disappointing aspect of this because usually with Jennifer Reader, you have a very, you know, you have interesting visuals. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking you at... Know, you have a style usually oh, yeah. to her films. And this just, like, if if I didn't know that she directed this, I would never in a million years guess no, that she same. directed this. Yeah, same here. Same here. Because there, there's just, there really isn't any, any kind of style. I mean, the, the guy's into taxidermy and plants which is i guess kind of unique but like his apartment sucks and we have to spend an hour and a half in it so yeah and he has all the windows taped up so you know there's no there's no light it's all like the whole movie's pretty dark so yeah, yeah it's just uh i did not enjoy myself unfortunately with this one this is one that i will likely forget that i watched within a couple weeks. Oh yeah, most definitely. I will just kind of forget that this exists. Yeah. And you know what, if it was an experiment, if they were just trying to see what they could do during a pandemic, then that's fine. You know, but like yeah. as far as a movie that you're you should watch, like no. Nah. No. Nah. This weekend there's a lot of movies that are that are coming out on VOD and on streaming platforms this would be pretty low on the list. There, there's like a number of notable releases this week. So yeah. yeah, I would, I would say just we can skip this. All right, Kevin, what do you want going to give this one out of 10? Mm. Uh, like a one. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna get a one for me too. Unfortunately, I just it was just nothing. There was nothing here. I it, it felt like, I mean, I've seen like creepy pasta videos on YouTube that have that were more entertaining than this. Yeah, I and think that's I, you know, and that, and that that's that's saying something. Yeah, I just I wanted some more of something, either more leaning into camp. So I had something. And you know the payoff is is not very good either. Like the this the the effects work that they do that they employ at the end is not good. And no, it's just uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I still like Jennifer Reader. I'm still gonna see whatever she works on next. But yeah, I think that this is a a, a bit of a, a a blemish in her filmography. Oh, well. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, first one that I will mention is Jackass Forever. Finally got to see this. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I I expected to enjoy it. I was excited for this, and I wasn't let down. I think it was probably my favorite of the Jackass movies. It was probably my favorite Jackass Thing maybe since the show, if you liked Jackass as a kid, if you were into it at some point, I think that you will enjoy yourself with this one. It's hilarious. Every one of the stunts, every every segment made me laugh. Every single one. And I watched this by myself, too. So, you know, when you watch a comedy by yourself, you're, you're less prone to like laughing, I think. And this still, still made me laugh out loud. I thought it was extremely funny. A lot of really good stunts. I don't want to kind of, I don't really want to spoil anything. A lot of the stunts that, that I, I don't, I don't like any kind of vomiting. Like vomiting is, is like a complete no go for me. Um, and that's one of the reasons I didn't see this in theater, in theaters. Cause I was afraid that there was going to be like a lot of vomiting and I would not be into that. Um, uh, so that's one of the reasons I waited. There's like one segment that involves vomiting, but it's pretty short, thankfully. And I was able to just skip, skip and it, and it was over. So nice. it's definitely, this one is definitely less gross. I would say than some of the other, some of the others, but still pretty outrageous. And some of the stunts, like they use a lot, they seem to use like more animals in this one. Uh, there's, there's some, I, there's some really crazy shit that they do. And, and there's this weird, like wholesomeness about it this time around. And I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I really enjoyed it. Spike Jones did the, the intro and he's in it. Uh, several times the intro is really funny it's really good um yeah i I don't know i would recommend it it's on paramount plus if you want to stream it it's coming out it's dropping on on blu-ray i think this week and then in april i believe it's going to be on netflix and they're going to be adding a whole shitload of additional footage on the net on the netflix release it's gonna be like it's gonna be like 
I think they said like an hour of additional footage. Cause they apparently shot like tons of tons of, uh, stunts and stuff that just didn't make it in. Probably like 200% more vomiting. <laughs> that would, that, that would suck. I don't think so though. I really, I really don't think so. I don't think that they leaned. They didn't, I don't think they leaned very heavily into the vomiting. I'm just imagining Adam going up, getting himself some McDonald's, <laughs> sitting down. He's all ready. He's got his, did his fucking ketchup packets. He's ready to go. Pops it on. Vomit. Just an onslaught of vomit. Just nonstop vomiting. I just, yeah, I just don't, <laughs> I don't like stunts involving vomit. Never did. Which is funny because I, I always liked, you know, those skate videos, like the CKY videos, the Big Brother videos, all that stuff. Remember how, like, we were so into the CKY videos back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, anytime they would have vomiting, I would just, ugh, hated it. No, vomiting is a no-go for me, too. Which is weird, because I can deal with shit. Like, I can deal with shitting. But, mm, for no, some reason, I mean, I'd go. rather not, to be clear. <laughs> I'd rather not deal with <laughs> shit, but, yeah, I don't know, man. Vomiting is just, yeah. Anyway, I would I would definitely <laughs> recommend Jackass Forever. <laughs> Wow, how do you follow up Jackass Forever? Well, it's probably not. Can't. You know, I don't know if these two films have probably never been discussed together. And I don't know if they ever will be moving forward. But the movie that I saw is 1954's Crime Wave, directed Mm. by Andre de Toth, Hungarian director. This is a a little film noir starring uh, Sterling Hayden as a a police officer and uh this is fucking good oh my goodness i just threw this on because i was like really in the mood for you know a 50s noir movie uh it's only 74 minutes long it's on the criterion channel and i was just like yeah you know what this should be you know should at least be entertaining most noir films are right even the ones that are kind of not that great and Man, I was not expecting this to be as fucking good as it is. Uh, it's originally called uh, The City is Dark. So, as you can imagine, it's black and white noir taking place mostly at night. And it's shot in and around Los Angeles. And man, is it beautiful. Just, I mean, the black and white cinematography here is just gorgeous. And it also uh, stars a guy that looks really fucking weird. And uh, this weird-looking guy turns out to be uh, Charles Bronson. <laughs> nice. F- fucking Charles Bronson. It's, it, this is before he was even called Charles Bronson. Wow. Uh, Charles Baczynski, playing a guy named Ben Hastings. So the three guys break out of San Quentin, right? They're knocking out uh, over at gas stations, all sorts of like little places off the highway, mostly just to get money that they can get to the next place. Just small time stuff. And <clears throat> the movie's all about ex-cons and the, the difficult life that they have after prison. So the, the guy, Steve Lacey, played by Gene Nelson, he's kind of like the central figure. He's out of San Quentin and he's been, he's since married, he's got a good job, he's staying out of trouble, he's doing everything that he needs to do, right? But anytime ex-cons come through the neighborhood, they usually try and hit him up, 
you know, to try and get them in on, you know, a new job or, the, you know, can you help us out? Something like that. And that's what ends up happening here. They, these three guys try to knock over a gas station. One of the guys gets shot. They go to Steve Lacey for help. He doesn't want to fucking help him. He says, just leave me alone. Well, now the cops are in on it, too. They want him to help. So they start putting a squeeze on him, saying, you know, you got to get out on the street, start getting some information, got to be a stool pigeon. And, of course, he's like, man, if I do that, I'm going to have to do that for the rest of my life. So he's getting it from both sides. Like, people just won't leave him the fuck alone. And it's just a really interesting dynamic of how that plays out of like ex-cons having to deal with other ex-cons, but also dealing with the police at the same time. And both of them essentially want him to be a criminal. They don't want anything else for him. They just want him to be a criminal, both sides. And uh, it, it gets a little more interesting because there's another guy that's a like an immigrant, right? Which I'm not 100% sure if Detoth was going for this. I'm pretty sure he was, him being a Hungarian guy. They... They're the the cops go to the the one immigrant. And he's like, "Hey, go over and you know try and get some information, since since Lacey won't help out, you do it." They don't follow him. They just wait back at the station, and they're like, "Oh, hopefully he'll call us back." Well, like, of course he <laughs> fucking dies. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then at the end, you know, he's hopping out. The, the Sterling hand goes into this bullshit thing. He's like, "We're the police." We help our citizens, which was like, it seemed like a kind of a dig where like, you know, they consider them citizens, like actual Americans, where this Hessler guy, the immigrant that they got to to help out, they don't really consider him a citizen. So they didn't really help him. They were just like, huh, if he dies, he dies. Hmm. But I highly recommend it. It It's fucking good. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Crime wave. Crime wave. Uh, let's see. I saw Windfall. This is on Netflix. This is a Charlie Mc, directed by Charlie McDowell. This is the the guy who did the one I love. Mm. Which, which I thought was pretty. Oh, yeah. inter- that was an interesting one. That's the one with Clemens and Jason yeah. Segel. And- yep, Lily Collins. Yeah. So the premise here is that Jason Segel breaks into this billionaire's like vacation home and he thinks that they're gone. He won't be there. I can just take whatever I want and leave. But when he's about to leave the, uh, the billionaire and his wife come to the house and he ends up having to kidnap them and kind of hold them for ransom. But truths come out. Lots of truths, truths, truths are being dropped here. Secrets, lies, deceit. They're not good, are they? Are any of them good? No, no. Oh, no. Nope. I would like one time where a secret comes out, but it's good. It's a good thing. It's like, I I never told you this, but I won the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's, this is, this is a pretty typical uh thriller it's it's very hitchcockian in its presentation from the the score to like kind of this the 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 visual style of it and it kind of works like it's okay but it this feels in a lot of ways like kind of a pandemic movie also in that it it takes place it's a very small cast 
takes place in a single location. And it's just a very self-contained kind of small scale story. But the problem is like the story's not that interesting. Like it's nothing that we haven't seen before. And the characters are not really anything interesting either. I mean, Jesse Flemons plays this like tech billionaire who's kind of a douche. And Lily Collins plays the, you know, this, this, this wife who's unfulfilled and, and is they're they're having issues and like he cheated on her and stuff and they're trying to work it out. And then Jason Siegel plays this, you know, person that, that believes that he was wronged in some way. And it's just not, there's just really nothing new here. The end, like the, the finale is uh, a bit unexpected. I would say there, there are, they do some kind of, it is kind of a surprising ending. I didn't see it coming. That's for sure. But it's not really enough to make this like anything more than just like kind of an average thriller. It's not a comedy to be clear. You might, go into it thinking that it is with Jason Siegel involved, but it's, it's not really a comedy. Mm. There's some dark humor in it, but uh, I still wouldn't classify it as a comedy. So I don't know, maybe a, uh, no, nah, I wouldn't even get it. Like it's on Netflix. So, you know, put it on. If it grabs you good, if, if you not, want, whatever, there's... turn it off. <laughs> this also, yeah, 90, thousand things on netflix yeah that you could also watch you can watch they have a new apatow coming yeah got a new apatow coming also pandemic movie mm-hmm everybody everybody's got to do the pandemic yeah the mo- movies are finally catching up like these these pandemic movies are coming out yeah i think that's the thing that kind of sucks about that because we're, like, yeah, we're all over it like yeah we're all over it we don't want to be reminded I mean, of it. Yeah. And also, like, yeah. Because it's like, I've been, I've been going to work for, like, for me, it was a very short period. Like, I wasn't even like everyone else that got to have, like, like, I was still going to work and stuff. So it's like, fuck, man. Glad you guys make a little movie. Still, <laughs> I'm still going to work every day, risking my life. Still, yeah. Like, well, same thing. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters. Morbius. Morbius. <laughs> this looks fucking dumb as hell. I agree. I like Morbius, the character, but nothing like all of the trailers and everything about this, like none of it is is really doing it for me. No, and I've seen this trailer. I don't know how many fucking times. I bet. I bet this is going to be a bomb. This this is not uh, yeah. this is not going to be good for the for for no. anyone. I mean, I think it's cool that they're trying to like, kind of expand the 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 Spider Verse, if you will, like with the Venom movies and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, this uh, I don't know. <laughs> this one, just, it, 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 yeah, and but you also it's Jared Leto. Like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think he was doing on set as as Morbius? Do you think oh, he was? God. Can you? What, what, what do you? What, what do you think he was trying to come up with? <laughs> I, it probably involves blood. 
he, probably, he drank blood or like he's probably drinking blood he probably carried around blood licking blood on people <laughs> fuck knows with this guy i just i i don't i don't see this doing well i don't either i don't either just i don't see it all right vod this week uh let's see we have on the 29th we have schemers we also have follower. We got Nitrum. That's going to be on a- AMC Plus. That's the one with Caleb Landry Jones. The Justin Crusoe movie. I'm yeah. very interested in this. Mm. Oh boy. Yeah. This it sounds like it's going to be rough. It does. It does. We got uh, zero fucks given. That's going to be on movie. I'm also interested in that. Zero fucks given. Mm-hmm. It's a French. Uh, I don't know if it's a comedy, more like a dramedy, maybe. Huh. About a uh, flight attendant. On the thirty-first, we have Kicking Blood. It's a vampire story. Kind of like a is this centuries-old vampire who watches a man recover from alcoholism and she decides to to stop drinking blood, Mm. you know, because like, like vampirism is like alcoholism. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's kind of like addiction. Yeah. If you think about it, it, it's kind of like addiction. Yeah. And the, the, if you have your withdrawal symptoms and if you, you've been doing it for so long, and you go into withdrawal, you could actually die from it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if Morbius is like that. If 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 they're gonna if if Morbius is an allegory for oh, addiction, boy. he could very well be. Uh, we also have Night's End coming out on the first. We got Let the Wrong One In. That is a horror comedy. We got Boone. That uh, sounds like a crime thriller. We got Barbarians. It's a horror comedy. I want. I think might just be horror, but I've seen Midnight's putting that one out on Netflix this week. We have uh, Apollo Ten and a Half: The A Space Age Childhood. <laughs> what is this? Tells the story of the first Wait, moon landing in the summer of 1969 from two interwoven perspectives, the astronaut and mission control view of the triumphant moment and through the eyes of a kid growing up in Houston, Texas, who has intergalactic dreams of his own. Is this, is this a Richard Link letter? Yeah, oh yeah. I remember that he does have one coming out soon. Yeah, it says taking inspiration from... Academy Award nominated filmmaker Richard Linkletter's own life, Apollo Ten and a Half, a space age childhood is a snapshot of American life in the 1960s that is part coming of age, part social commentary, and part out of this world adventure. You know, I bet this. I mean, this movie sounds like it could be good, but that title, like, instantly made me cringe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, I, I'd like Richard Linkletter, so, yeah, I guess I'll be giving that a look. We also have The Bubble 
coming out. And this is, the uh, yeah, the bubble. Have you seen anything about this? No. It's a comedy about a group of actors who are quarantined in a pandemic bubble at a hotel. Attempting to complete a sequel to an action franchise film about flying dinosaurs. Judd Apatow. So we got... Yeah, it's an Apatow. <laughs> so we got... Netflix is going to have Linklater and Apatow. On the same day. Yeah. April 1st. Okay. Interesting. Yep. We also have Battle Freestyle. So that's, uh, I guess, about freestyle rapping? But directed this one. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. I was trying to think of like some big name director, but really Battle Freestyle. I don't know. Well, it's a dance movie. Dance. Dance oh, crew advances free- to the global final. Okay. Freestyle dance, not freestyle yeah, rap. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We also have Celeb 5 behind the curtain. What? Celeb 5 is a a Korean comedy troupe, and this is like some kind of mockumentary, I think. Okay. About them or some, something like that. I actually don't know too much about them. That's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. We have uh, The Apartment from 1960. That's coming out in 4K. Got Ordinary People from 1980. That's on that Paramount whatever signature series or something. Yeah. Got Drop Dead Fred getting re-release. Talons of the Eagle from 1992. Yeah, looks like a very exciting early 90s action movie starring Billy Blanks. Is that the Tybo guy? It's, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's the Tybo guy. Interesting. Interesting. How about Vinegar that? Syndrome's putting that out. Okay. Uh, Hard Rock Zombies and Slaughterhouse Rock. That's a double feature there. Oh, boy. That's a limited edition. 5,000 of those in print. We got Reform School Girls from 1986. That's also coming out in a limited edition. Ballad of Blood from 2016. The Forbidden Door from 2009. Let's see. Scream Queen. My Nightmare on Elm Street. That's the documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Which is pretty good. We have Shakedown from 1950. Uh, Pathogen from 2006. That's that's uh, a, a Vinegar Syndrome AGFA collab. That's the Emily Haggins one. The 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 zombie movie. She she was like 12 when she made it or something like that. Tragedy Girls from 2017 is getting some sort of uh, Blu-ray release. I'd recommend that. That was awesome. Slash Dance from 1989. Oh, boy. Uh, that's a Vinegar Syndrome. Never heard of that. Never heard of that, but I am all about it, especially that cover. Holy crap. Slash Dance, a female cop goes undercover. 
catch Assault. serial killer. Hell yeah. Uh, Backwood, <laughs> Backwoods Marcy from 1998, also Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, Sybil from 2019, Vinegar Syndrome on that too. No, it says it is it is Vinegar Syndrome, but it's a music box selects. Not sure what that's all about. Marry Me, that's the one that came out earlier this year with Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez. Sister Sister from 1987. Oh my God, there's like a million this week. This is like a huge week. Dance Party USA from 2006. But that's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Oh, we got two. Uh, first one is Scorsese's The Last Waltz, a concert doc of uh, the band, their farewell performance at Winterland Ballroom. So you got that. Some consider the you know one of the one of the best concert films of all time. And then the other one you have Theodore Witcher's Love Jones from 1997. Oh, nice. Yeah, I forgot one. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge from 1989. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Arrow's putting that out. A guy called Eric owns a huge house and some greedy people want to build a mall over it. So they get someone to burn down his house. Wow. And then I guess uh, he doesn't die and he becomes the Phantom of the Mall. I need to see this. Holy crap. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. That looks incredible. I hope that pops up on like Arrow or something. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.